The same way your love would drive you to push your son or your daughter or your best friend or whoever out of the way of an oncoming bus, the love that would drive you to do that is the same love that drives us to be concerned about harm that people are causing to themselves. That's where the concern comes from. It's not an act of judgment. Some people want to describe it that way. It's not. It's an act of love. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. And this is another Contemplate podcast. As Pastor David continues to answer the objections to the Christian faith, today he'll be talking about why Christians are so concerned with the sins of others, and also how and why art in a variety of forms is so important. Another great episode is on the way, and here's Pastor David. Let's go on to, uh, to a verse here that I want to read for you that helps us understand the, that Christianity is the opposite of control and oppression, actually about freedom. This is in Galatians 5.13. It says, For you, brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity to gratify your flesh, but through love make it your habit to serve one another. That's what Christianity is about. Freedom and service. Choosing freely to serve and love others, which sort of brings us to our next objection here, okay? This also is not necessarily a philosophical objection, but it's an important one, okay? This is about Christians who are overly concerned with people's sins. I'm calling this the drug, sex, and rock and roll objection, okay? And I want to be clear about something. I'm not talking right now about Christians who act hypocritically, okay? That's those who are really focused on the stuff that you do that's bad and saying that they're really good all the time, but then behind the scenes or sometimes in front of the scenes are totally doing that same wrong stuff themselves. That's hypocrisy. That's a different thing. I'm talking about people who don't have that part of it, but are super concerned with other people's sins or seem to be super concerned with other people's sins. I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's sort of working through his skepticism, and I mentioned that a lot of people have an issue uh, with their perception of the Christian view of sex. Uh, because there's a perception out there uh, that Christianity uh, looks at sex in a certain way, right? Some people think that Christianity is about rules and an angry God who's sort of waiting to zap anyone who like says a bad word, that that's kind of the thing. That's what we all get in here on Sundays to talk about is this angry God who you better not mess up or he's going to zap you. But let's, let's talk through that for a second. Okay, I'm going to take the categories of drugs, sex, and rock and roll as just kind of a a way to work through this. Uh, The the short answer to to this question, okay, here's the question. Are Christians against fun? Are Christians against having fun? Is God against having fun? The short answer is no. (laughs) No. Uh, The Christian life is all about having fun. The Christian life is all about joy. Right, And you're thinking to yourself, maybe if y'all are all about fun and joy, what are you doing here on a Sunday morning listening to this guy? Um, but that really hurts my feelings that you thought that. So, um, so let me explain this, okay? Here's, here's the way it works. We believe that God loves you. We believe that God loves all of those he created and that he wants you to enjoy him. That he's made the world and the things in the world and he's made them to be good and enjoyable. Christians are about living life and living it to its fullest. But to be fair, there are some rules, okay? Um, that's not the necessary, it's not the way I necessarily think about it, 
the word rules, but if that's the way someone else wants to, to do it, let's talk about it in those terms. If we're going to talk about rules, let's talk about what they're for, okay? What they're for. They are not made to keep people from having fun. They are actually made to produce the maximum amount of joy in your life, okay? They're about seeking good, but seeking it in the right way and the right amount to fulfill your purpose and live consistently with how God made you so that you can have the maximum amount of joy in your life. So drugs first, okay? Uh, And I'm just using these as sort of examples to work through. These are some things that people wonder about. Uh, There are drugs that make us better when we're not feeling well, right? Uh, We as Christians, we think God's actually all about that. He's all about us using our minds and discovering things in nature that help people to get better. We think he made these things and he wants us to use them to cure diseases, to ease pain, to make our eyes stop watering on the golf course after they just mowed, um, which I sometimes have to do. Uh, these, these are great things, okay? But here's the deal. Here's how kind of rules work. The same drug that can ease the pain of a person who just broke their leg can cause a person who doesn't have pain to get very intoxicated, okay? They can cause that. The same is true uh, for alcohol, okay? The same drink that can be enjoyed in moderation to enjoy a good meal with friends, to toast a wedding celebration, whatever, can also be used in excess and lead to intoxication. And Christians do believe that intoxication is bad for you. They do. We believe that it harms you. That there are, A, there's negative effects to your health. That's clear. But there are also negative effects to your soul. This is important. This is one of the reasons why you got to understand rules for what they are. They're not some arbitrary thing, okay? Uh, We believe that God gave you a mind, that God intends for you to use that mind and use it well. We believe that the mind is part of your soul. It's part of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. When you use drugs or alcohol in excess, in excess, you seek a good thing, something that can do good things, but you seek it the wrong way or in excess and you become intoxicated, your mind, your soul is compromised. It's compromised. And the negative effects of that compromise can go quite deep and quite wide. It's for that reason that Christians don't like intoxication because we believe it harms people. God doesn't tell us not to get intoxicated because he doesn't like us to have fun. That's got nothing to do with it. He, he wants us to have fun. He tells us not to get intoxicated because, listen, because it's disordered. It's disordered. It's not what he made you for. He wants you to have fullness of life. You cannot be intoxicated and have fullness of life because you're doing something to oppress your own mind and your own soul. And so this is the reason that God says it's not good for you. He, doesn't just, he, didn't, he didn't just go, it's not sitting there in heaven, right? White hair, and you've seen the, the paintings, right? And he's flipping a coin. Should I let people get intoxicated or not? Heads. No, nope, we're not going to get intoxicated. It's not like that at all. The rules that God makes, they're all for your benefit. Every one of them is for your benefit, and they're for you to have maximum joy. Now, you may disagree, Okay? I think if you're disagreeing, you're not disagreeing with me, but with God. Okay? But he is not trying to keep you from something good. He wants you to pursue good. Pursue it. Pursue joy. And pursue it in the right way and in the right amount. I just don't think it's fair to object to Christianity based on that. Based on rules that come from that kind of a heart from God. What about sex? 
Some people think that Christians think that sex is only for procreation in the dark once a year. Okay? That's just what some people think. That's, that's, that's the message some people have gotten. Okay? Not even close. By the way, I'm not going to take a deep dive on this issue because I preached on this a few months ago, and you can go back and watch that sermon on our Vimeo page. It's Marriage and Relationship on Sex. Um, I don't need you guys all blushing for the rest of the sermon. So suffice it to say, God invented sex. He thinks it's a good thing. He just wants us to pursue it in the right way and the right amount, which is to say that when it's pursued in the right way, the right amount is a lot, okay? That's just a spoiler alert if you go watch that sermon. All right. Um, what about rock and roll? Now, I'm going to use this one um, because I want to get to the idea of art and beauty in general. I feel like some people object to Christianity because they think that Christians are, are prudes in all of these areas, but in this area specifically. In this area specifically, I think that there's a stereotype that suggests that Christians can only uh, sit at home and listen to Amy Grant. For those of you under 35, you're like, who? Um, those of you who have been around for a while, you probably know who, who that is. Um, and watch Veggie Tales. And that is the Christian life in art, right? That's, that's what we can do because everything else is evil and dirty and wrong and gross and whatever, okay? There are people who have that idea. Let me explain something to you and put this in your heart if you're a believer. Understand this. Pursuing beauty and truth are fundamental duties of the Christ follower. Pursuing beauty and truth are fundamental duties of the Christ follower. It's part of how we come to know God. So the idea that there's this incredible limitation and that everything true and beautiful in the world other than those little things, Christians are banned from, that's, that's insane. That's, that's crazy. There are Christians who feel, cons- who feel called, okay? Let me be clear, to consume only particular artistic content. Okay, there are some who feel a special call for some reason or another, um, but usually they'll admit and agree that that's a personal call. Okay, there, are, there are Christians who can't drink alcohol at all, even in moderation, even just having one drink, because they have temptations that would lead them to drink more than they should. In the same way, there are Christians who don't watch certain movies or listen to certain music or view certain uh, art, works of art because they've, they've got an, uh, an agreement with the Lord that for them, they have a specific calling. Leave that aside, okay? I have my own views on those things. I have specific callings with the Lord for me and my family, but I don't hold that all believers must have exactly the same views that my family and I do. That's part of Christian charity and freedom too, okay? Here's the rule. Here's the only rule that I know of for consuming art, right? Enjoying and, 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 and connecting with art and beauty and truth. Here's the questions to ask. Is it true? Is it about truth? Does it say something true? Is it beautiful? Does it draw you closer to Christ? Does it reveal truths about creation and God's plan for redemption and restoration? Does it celebrate his glory? Does your conscience allow it? Does it cause you temptation? Does it cause you to objectify other people? Were other people objectified or oppressed in the creation of this artwork? Those are the kinds of questions that you have to ask. There's a verse in Philippians, Philippians 4, 8, it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is fair, whatever is pure, whatever is acceptable, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, keep thinking about these things. If the art that you are connecting with and engaging with and consuming meets those standards, consume it with a clear conscience. It's good. Okay, if it's not these things, 
okay? If it's not these things, then it's not art. It's a perversion of art. Art is about truth and beauty. That's what it's about. If the intent of what you're watching or engaging with or whatever, if the intent of that content is primarily to celebrate darkness or to consume or oppress people, treat them as objects, to celebrate sinfulness or rebellion, then it's not good for you. It's harming you. And it's harming the person who devised it too. It's not good. It's not art. Okay? The line can sometimes be hard to see. There are things that are dark in nature, but that express incredible truth. You'll find some of them in Scripture. You'll see stories about things that are quite dark that we have to understand to understand the status of who we are as people, to understand the plan of redemption and restoration and how powerful it is. So it's not just that the content happens to lean in a direction that's difficult, because there are those things too that can be true and beautiful, and then there are some that can be not. Okay? But Christians of all people, of all people should be the most engaged in seeking truth and beauty in art. Okay? We are in relationship. We are in relationship with the greatest artist. That's God. As we see the things that those made in his image and likeness, what they make, what they create, we get to see a little bit more of who he is through what they've done. Just a glimpse. We should be recognizing and celebrating art and beauty. It is, in fact, it is the mark it is the mark of a mature believer that she can recognize and appreciate beauty and truth when she experiences it in the well-made works of God and man. It's a mark of a mature believer. So that's that on that stuff. So with all that, then why? Why are Christians so concerned with other people's sin? Why are we worrying about it? Why are Christians worrying about other people's sin? Really simple answer here, okay? Really simple. Because we love people. Our love drives us to be concerned for those who are harming themselves. The same way your love would drive you to push your son or your daughter or your best friend or whoever out of the way of an oncoming bus, the love that would drive you to do that is the same love that drives us to be concerned about harm that people are causing to themselves. That's where the concern comes from. It's not an act of judgment. Some people want to describe it that way. It's not. It's an act of love. True love speaks truth even when it hurts, especially when it hurts, especially when it hurts. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs 27, verse 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If someone is not concerned, about your sin. If someone is not concerned that you're harming yourself, they're your enemy. They're deceiving you. They don't care about you. If you really care about someone, you care if they're harming themselves. We do care. We are so concerned because we love people. We love people. We think that there are some people who are standing there and there's a bus headed right at them. And it's our love that compels us to push them out of the way. We're not standing there judging them for standing in the street. We're running to get them out of the way of the bus. If you see it in the right context, you can understand. If we're wrong about the bus, if we're wrong about whether the bus is coming, we're wrong from an excess of love, not from a lack of it. Okay? I don't think we are wrong. 
I think these things do harm people. But if I am wrong about it, it's not because I'm interested in judging people. It's because I'm interested in seeing people be saved from the harm that they're causing themselves. We believe that both the Bible and nature reveal the truth about God, about who he is, about who we are, and about what is good for us. We also believe that without a relationship with God, without your acceptance of Jesus Christ's free gift of grace and forgiveness for the places where you have missed the mark, you'll be separated from God, and you'll be separated from us, and we don't want either one of those things. We don't want either one of those things. We desperately don't want that. That's why we're overly concerned with sin. We're overly concerned with it, not because we think we're better than people. It's because I'm much worse than people, and God saved me, and I'm pretty jacked up about that. I'm excited about that. I've experienced new life, even though I was evil and wicked, and I want to see that for other people. That's why I'm concerned about it. That's why I'm in your business. It's not to judge you. It's to love you. It's really, really good news. The gospel is good news, and our concern is an act of love, even if it doesn't always come off that way or it isn't always perceived that way. I've told this story before. I'm going to end with this. Um, there's a performer named Penn Gillette. Some of you probably know him, Penn and Teller. Uh, he's pretty well known for being an atheist, uh, for talking about atheism a lot. Uh, and a few years ago, he recorded a short video about a guy who came uh, to talk to him after one of his, his magic shows. And, and he said the guy was about his age and had participated in one of the acts that he was doing as, an, as a member of the audience. Uh, and the man came up, complimented him on the thing, and said, hey, I brought, I brought this for you. Uh, and he held up this small book. It was a New Testament with Psalms, okay? You've seen those little ones, uh, like a pocket New Testament. He says, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. Uh, he explained that he was a businessman. He wasn't crazy. And Gillette was moved by the man's gesture, and he recalled this. He was kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. I've always said, Gillette explained, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. That's to say people who don't tell people about Jesus, people who don't get in people's business and be concerned with their sins. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Gillette then offered this example to illustrate his point. If I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that this truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point that I tackle you. And this is more important than that. He says, this guy was a really good guy. He was polite, honest, and sane. He cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a Bible. Now, I don't know that this guy has become a believer, okay? I don't know him. Um, but this is what's important. Christians aren't interested in controlling people, okay? They're followers of Christ. They want to be like him. They want to serve people. They want to love people. The issues that were raised today are not good objections to Christianity. They're reasons to take it seriously. They're reasons to take it seriously. The love of God compels Christians to serve others, to seek truth, to speak truth. So, have today's answers made you think more seriously about faith? If so, and you realize that you need Jesus in your life, or you just have more questions about all this, 
call us at 360-885-9000. We'd love to answer your questions and help you find life. Or better yet, come see us this Sunday morning at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Hope to see you this Sunday. Finally, ever struggle with hypocritical Christians? Well, you'll want to be sure and check out the next episode here on Contemplate. Contemplate.